We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 365. So the first uh, Scott, Sunday was kickoff of NFL Sunday. I feel like baseball is just the, it's forgotten about on that day. Everyone, even if they're a casual fan or a diehard fan, they take time to watch the football games on the first weekend. So I feel like some things were missed by some people over this weekend. What's up? Well, I think a lot of things were missed, probably, especially on Sunday. Considering the the game was in Boston, the stands looked like they were, I don't know, seventy five percent full, which is not ever a thing in in Fenway Park, especially when they're playing the Yankees, especially on a Sunday night game like that, um, because they had the other team the, the, that everybody cares about in that city playing at the same time. So pretty pretty piss poor planning on their end, I guess. Uh, the fact that you have well two maybe major if the things. Red Sox weren't 
the Red Sox weren't 17 games out of the division and barely hanging on for life in the wild card, I think maybe the stands would have been a little bit more full, or at least some of the people would have cared a little bit more to uh, check in between the Patriots' uh, demolition of the of the Steelers to see what's going on in the Yankees Red Sox game. But yeah, I just don't think people cared. I think at that point when when you when you see that um, they've won a World Series recently and the Patriots are on no matter if they've won or not, it, the Patriots are winning at this point in that city. So the, you you take the people over to football. This is And where... in New York, you know what? We got the Jets and the Giants. We both suck, so we're all living and dying with the Yankees right now. <laughs> Oh man, your kicker! What a, what an adventure! I didn't even. Him it's it's not even. He's not even our kicker. He's just the guy who's kicking currently. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is one of those times where I just don't know why TV, TV production crews or whatever, whoever's making decisions at ESPN and and NBC, just get together and realize like, oh, putting the Yankees Red Sox game on at the same time as the Patriots Steelers game, first game of the year for those teams, is maybe not a good idea. Move one of them to 4 o'clock. You're going to get better ratings that way than you put them on at the same time. Well, yeah, and <laughs> the thing is is that the uh, well, you have the Giants who are playing uh, at 4 o'clock, Giants-Cowboys, which is also a very bad thing for ratings when you're talking about Yankees uh, and the same fans and the crossovers. That's a big game, too. So uh, I don't know how much you're, you're, you're going to save those, those people, but um, – there's probably no winning in this situation. You just put them on at one o'clock against the Jets, and you'd probably be fine. <laughs> right. Um, but it was. Uh, it's after the Yankees. You know, they've got one more against the Red Sox. We, I, I, I forgot that today was a like, thing. Doesn't it feel like the series ended last night? Yeah, I mean it does because that's what normally happens. <laughs> There's usually a a travel day on Monday, and now we have to play the Red Sox again. But they've they've taken two out of three already, and I saw this last night. Dombrowski out as the president of the Red Sox. Just yeah, I was gonna say they took more than two and th- two or three. They they uh they took the soul. <laughs> they started they started crushing the the hopes and, and dreams of the organization at this point. So you get rid of your GM in the middle of the season like this after a World Series. That's right. Not even a year after a World Series, and I think. I really do think that Yankees fans were so spoiled for so many reasons. But just the Red Sox are the, maybe the second best franchise as far as success over the last 20 years. And they still have disastrous things happen. Or they do dumb shit like fire their GM less than a year after a World Series. Can you imagine the Yankees doing that? The Yankees it, do, would never handle a PR situation that poorly they would they would wait till after the season they've fired people before they've let they've let people go uh joe girardi situation i know that brian cashman apparently made up his mind about about joe girardi long before it actually happened and no one had a damn clue about that but rumors started swirling about dave dombrowski would he be out would he be back next year and they just cut ties in the beginning of september well i mean you don't know what happens behind the scenes the there there obviously can be things that that escalate situations, um, you know. You know, it's like uh, it's like people more losses to the Yankees. It's like it's like people. Uh, it's like people trying to get out of out of town via social media. You know, there's there's different things that can escalate situations for for a guy leaving. And Dombrowski always felt like a weird hire for me in the first place because he's he's really known as like a as that hired gun type guy, the guy that will that will essentially leverage every asset you could possibly have to put the best, um, highest-priced guys on the field and, and try to win in a moment rather than build a, 
you know, the franchise up and 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 have sustainable success. He's just never been that guy. And he and he did that though for them. What? Oh, he so did. For he, he did. He, he, no, he he got all the, the the high leverage. You're right. And he but he gutted the system and he did all these things. So yeah. it's almost like we're done with you now. You did you did what you came in to do. Or is it the other way around, though? Dombrowski's oh, very, like, very possibly. Oh, right, guys. I, I can't I do it. I did what I came here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. There's nothing for me to trade. Right. right. There's no money for me and, to sign people. What do you want me to do? And whoever's coming into that situation is looking at it like, yeah, we've got some damn good young offensive players, but we've also now got a, a terrible contract with David Price, a terrible contract with Chris Sale, two guys who do not look like they even are able or want to pitch anymore. David Price taking every opportunity he can to not pitch. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange situation in the way that it went down. I think in the timing that it went down, but it doesn't surprise me at all that that Dombrowski's not there anymore. And you're right, like this could have been something where they both said, you know what, just cut ties now because Dombrowski's looking around and he's got his uh, his headhunter working the system. And he's like, okay, right. who's got who's, hire who's got the money? Who's got some young talent ready to roll? And uh, and who wants to win badly so that I can go out and and, and try to maneuver that? So. Who's desperate for a championship in the next three to five years that is willing to completely mortgage their future? Yeah. So it's a. Uh, and it doesn't always work because he did that with Detroit and look at them now. They're. The I, well, that's the thing. That's, that's, the, that's the thing about last year with the Red Sox is that it, it, it went so perfectly according to script and then beyond that. And they got. They had so much luck on their side as well. And I'm not saying it was a lucky team. I'm saying that. The, the circumstances just just really laid out for them to to um to win a championship and like everybody everything worked perfectly right so uh, oh their the pitching stars, worked perfectly the, which is why they won the world well Series. also you have you have people who have no business contributing at a high level contributing at a high level a la Steve freaking Pierce Steve and, Pierce Eduardo and, Nunez and uh, Bradley Junior who goes out and, and starts playing like a you know, like a um, like a three time all star out there in in, yeah. in the playoffs. So, like the stars aligned, it it worked out for them, and they uh, and they cup eight. So, so quickly, give a playoff update, playoff ticket update, because we sold them babies out. We did, we did, we did. Uh, it was fast, man. It was we we opened it up for uh, people who had attended an event, a BP crew event, and uh, the majority of the tickets at that point had sold from people. Um, who had already attended, which I was very excited about. I, I looked down the list of people who have ordered tickets, and I recognize almost every name on there, which is awesome. Um, and then on Friday and on Saturday morning, we opened it up for everybody else, and we were we were sold out uh, by three o'clock, I think it was. Uh, so yeah, done. Four hundred and seventy-two people going to come. That's being raging lunatics in uh, in right field sections two hundred five and two hundred six. We have pretty much all but like. I don't know, maybe ten rows in in both of those sections. So the majority of that of that section is going to be, uh, you know, the the people that are coming with our group. So I'm pumped up for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I got to come up with a badass shirt now. We're doing a white out in right field. It's going to be a white T-shirt, um, and uh, and yeah, it's going to be it's going to look awesome. It's going to be a sea of white in right field. You're going to see us. You're going to hear us. The players are going to see us and hear us. Now that I know what it looks like and feels like from standing on uh, on the field. Uh, and looking up in the right field stands, you're there. Oh, and you got yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, I was like, yeah. I wanted to take in to see how how close that porch felt when you're up there, and it it really does feel like it's on top of you. So, um, yeah, I'm excited, man. To, that's to to say the least. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I do think the the sea of white is the way to go because we got those pictures from the event last weekend of a couple of the home runs that came near us, 
And the white really does pop. It does, especially when you have because the the seats are all blue. You know, they they're more yeah. of a royal blue, but they're um, they're that lighter Yankee blue. And you know, a lot of people are wearing navy. A lot of people are wearing the the navy stuff. So if you wear white, it, it contrasts to everything. A lot of other things that are in the stadium. So. Um, yeah, I'm excited. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So for everybody who, anybody who has any questions or anybody who's, uh, uh, who's purchased, I've, I have the amount of emails that I have right now is insane, but, um, I'm, so I'm going through them. Please be patient. The, uh, the, the seat people are asking for, um, uh, for seating arrangements or things like that, like with their friends, we're, we're going to take care of all of those. We'll, we'll, we'll accommodate as many people as we possibly can. Um, so, so you, uh, you can rest assured that's going to happen. If you ordered a bunch of tickets in one transaction, all of those always go together. So don't worry about that. You don't need to say anything about that. They just go together. Um, the t-shirts will be sent out ahead of time. We're working on that, you know, this week and uh, we'll get them out. So we should have them well ahead of the game. And then also the tickets, they are not mailed. The tickets are electronically transferred week of the uh, week of the, um, the game itself. And I want everybody to realize that it's going to come Closer than you probably feel comfortable with the playoff tickets coming. They will come, but they will come electronically the week of. And one of two reasons why we're doing this. One, we always do that. Um, and, and two, the, uh, we, we, re- we want to make sure that people aren't flipping these tickets. That's, that's a big deal. Scalpers are out there. Scalpers are masking their email addresses. They're trying to get in. And we want to make sure that uh, Yankee fans are in these seats, obviously, and that the hardcore people that have come to the uh, that have come to these events are in these seats as well. So they will come that week, and it will make it will make you very difficult for you to try to flip these tickets. Just so you know, I put that in the event listing. Don't if you're a, a ticket flipper, speak up now or forever hold your peace. And let me know because I will gladly refund your money and get some other people in there. And if you try and do it, Scott's gonna fight. Scott, Scott's gonna hunt you. Down. Yeah, you he's will gonna, get blood. He's gonna fight. You will you. get yeah. flagged. Swarm, swarm. He's gonna individually spot check every seat during the game. I will. I will. All four hundred. I'm a lunatic. I'm, I'm. I'm a little crazy. There's oh, I know chemically imbalanced crazy. here, people. There are things like that will happen, but um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm. I'm it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. Like pretty much our entire team is coming out. Like for from from Bucks Pinstripes, all the writers and such. A lot of chapters are coming out. We got guys coming from pretty much all, all over the I know Florida's coming uh, the the guys in Philly. South Florida uh, the guys in Tampa Philly's coming in like dozens it seems like there's a ton of them coming out they multiply every time I know I them. love it um, and then uh, yeah people from we got a ton of people that have just been around forever too that are coming down um, from uh, from the New England area from upstate New York it's gonna be fun it's going to be a lot yeah. and a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, a couple other things for as far as like BP crew stuff goes as well. Two, two big chapter updates. Um, Philly, we were just talking about them. They have a watch party today. It's their last one of their regular season. They have it at uh, Fieldhouse, which is a, uh, a bar they've been doing stuff with all year long. Um, so go check that out. Go to find them on Twitter. Find them on Facebook. All of our chapters have a Facebook group uh, where you can interact with the, the the captains, the guys that are the guys and girls that are running the uh, the chapters. So go find them on Facebook or go find them on Twitter and uh, or just show up. And uh, and then the other one is Tampa. Tampa is actually going. They're they're getting a game event for when the Yankees go down uh, to Tampa for it's the last week of the, the last season week of that the, the Yankees are in yeah. Tampa. It's like a it's like a Tuesday Wednesday. It's kind of a weird two game. Yeah, series. I'm pretty sure they're targeting that Wednesday. So. Um, I know Jared and uh, Marcus, uh, the, those guys have been talking to, um, uh, and Brandon, they've all been 
one of them has been talking to Tampa as far as group sales as well and trying to get um, uh, a discount for, for everybody coming. So get in, get in touch with them, again, on Twitter or on Facebook. Just search BP Crew Tampa and uh, and definitely come to that. If you're in that Tampa area, we're, we have a lot of events coming up too. Like spring training is going to be Sp- yeah. a, a big event as well. And then we're going to be doing more stuff down in Tampa as well. So definitely hitch on to these, uh, to these chapters. This one's going to be very active. They've been very active. Um, but yeah, a game, I think it's the 27th, whatever that Wednesday is, uh, for Yankees Tampa, go down there and make some noise, take over the trap again. Is that the 27th? I think so. 26th or 27th. So that's what's sticking in my head. Uh, the 27th of Friday. So the 24th and 25th is when, so I'm totally wrong. The, the Wednesday, the last Wednesday that you said the 25th is Wednesday. So mm-hmm. the 25th, that's, uh, that's the date that they're, they've been circling. So get in touch with them and uh, sign up. Because I know they need to know uh, soon so that they can get tickets. Obviously, the bigger the group, the better the discount they can get. So hook up with them. This is like, uh, it's like when Mike Francesa checks just basic information live on air. <laughs> or just, <laughs> or just says starts, random things that have no factual basis. He just starts reading off of lists uh, live on air because there's no more riveting radio than that. So on, on Friday afternoon, I saw a screen grab of the Red Sox bullpen, and that, that was sort of a big topic of conversation all, all weekend was how the Red Sox have 17-man bullpen, and they can't even fit them out there. They have to bring in like extra stools for these guys to sit. And I tweeted, imagine having a 17-man bullpen and not one of them being good. Well, boy, did I stick my foot in my mouth because on Friday night, the Red Sox bullpen bullpened the Yankees to death, and the Yankees offensively did nothing. And it was one of those games that it just felt like the Yankees didn't want to be there. It, it was taking a long time. The Red Sox were bringing a new guy every single inning. Herman didn't look great. We've seen this with Herman so often where he starts out okay, and then it's just that wall, that brick wall hits him, and he's completely out of gas. Yeah, no, it's strange how it does. I mean, that that was always the um, – it's, it's kind of like he falls back into old habits because that was – that was always the the big improvement that we needed to see, you know, from be, before this year was was when Herman gets to, uh, you know, that third time through the lineup, and uh, and, and and or fifth it's, sixth it's inning. a significant drop off in that third time through the lineup. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. I mean, it's it's been improved this year, but that's always been his his kind of uh, Achilles heel, his linchpin, and and on, this is the one where you want to make sure that. Um, you manage him to four innings, I guess, right? Isn't that where, where we come in here? Well, they didn't let him go past four innings, and it wasn't a good four innings because he gave up uh, the three-run home run to Moreland in the fourth. Yeah. Well, now that they're going to be, I know we're going to talk about this, managing his, uh, his innings uh, to a point where it's obvious and, and it's very clear. It's interesting, isn't it? Because what happened to those comments from Cashman like two or three weeks ago where he's like, nope, there's no innings limit on... Herman, we're good to go with him in the playoffs. That that time he spent on the IL and in the early part of the season took care of it. I mean, I, not anymore. It was pretty clear that they were just posturing at that point and just trying to buy time. Like nothing they said was going to be. Uh, it could have changed the next day. They're gonna. It's a fluid situation in the sense that they're going to see how he's pitching. And I think we've. We, this is something we've definitely touched on in the sense that like. What's the right thing to do with him? And, and there is no clear path on how to handle him and his innings and, and, and what's, what to expect. Like The only way that the Yankees could come out looking good in this is if he pitches well in the postseason. That's it. Well, I'm, I'm a little... Uh, I'm starting to think the Yankees aren't quite sure what they want to do with him in the postseason. Do they want to use him to start a game or do they want to use him to back up an opener? Yeah, I just don't think it matters anymore because I don't think the opener thing is a real thing, personally, in the playoffs. I, I think that... 
Why, you don't think they'll use Chad Green for an inning or two and then back Chad Green up with, uh, in this case, Herman? Uh, as a start, as, as like a game plan, I think maybe if they're... That's a game plan. That, that'll that get them to five plus innings. I think if they're, if they're backs into a corner, then they will do that. But I don't think that that's what the plan is. I don't think that's going to be the original plan, no. Well, Boone said on before the game on Sunday. And let's preface this that re- I don't believe anything any of, any of these guys say, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said we're going to use Herman to back up CeCe when he's activated yeah. to for two reasons, to manage his innings a little bit and to also get him experience pitching out of the bullpen again because he hasn't done that in a while. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't mind that. So, I, I mean, that could just be them experimenting before the playoffs, which is fine. This is the time to do it. But but I'm starting to think because if Herman they would not do that with Tanaka they would not do that with Paxton. Well, yeah, but they're different guys. They're very different guys. Herman came. Herman was a bullpen guy, and we we all know that he's at the uh, you know max capacity or max limit with his um, with his innings. So he's a he's a different case. He is, but at the same time, he's was the Yankees' best starter through the month of July. From the start of the season through July, he was the Yankees' best starter. And if that was any other pitcher. They would say, okay, well, this guy's in our playoff rotation no matter what, and we're going to just figure him out through the rest of the year. I don't know if they'd be experimenting with him in the, in the playoffs. I think the reason they're – I mean, in the bullpen. I think the reason they're doing this is so if they decide to use an opener plus, plus Herman in the playoffs, it's not a foreign concept to him. Look, I think that it's, I think that it's a, um, a, a good thing for them to, to – to put him in the bullpen for a little bit and just to get him feeling that way because there's a possibility that he could come out of the bullpen. Um, but to say that it's a that it's a similar case in the sense because he was their best pitcher, I, first of all, he was their best pitcher out of surprise. Like that wasn't that wasn't something that anybody expected. Uh, and he's always had this. We have always known that the, there was a ceiling on the on the inning. So uh, that to me is the biggest thing. Even when they say no, we're not going to. The injury did this. This was curved. <laughs> like it was still going to happen. We, Especially on, they this, had been on the dodging first sign the of struggle. Question. On the first sign of struggle. They had been dodging the question, and they no longer dodged the question. And point blank said, there's no more innings At limit. At this point, there's no... Yeah, they were they were very kind of... They were talking more in the moment. At this, mo- at this point, there's at no... This, at this very yeah. moment, there's no innings right. limit. Okay, That's great. kind of what they're doing. I mean... Well, and I, there was some good. weird I want, starts. I want that because... There, there's no, there was no like right thing to do in my opinion with with Herman. So, so let's let's see what happens and and just kind of take this situation as a fluid situation. And when you when you see that he's potentially struggling and hitting that wall, that's that's really an old it's an old habit. It's a habit that that we've seen in the past. If if we start seeing things like that or, or whatever they were looking for as a, as a potential road like a stumbling block, then change the plan or adjust the plan. Yeah, and Pivot. I think there were some there were some weird starts we talked about where it was like they're pitching against Baltimore and they're having them go seven innings. It's like, well, then maybe there is no innings limit because if you're going to let them go seven against Baltimore when you're up by nine runs, then there there certainly must not be an innings limit. And and I don't think this is necessarily a, a bad plan because you dive into his metrics and first time through the order and second time through the order he is dominant and then third time through the order. He starts walking more people. He starts leaving the ball up. He gives up a lot more home runs. His the OPS allowed against is much much higher third time through the order. Maybe they don't want them him facing playoff opponents the third time through the order. Probably not. I mean that's that's so why we have he's going to get. Right? Yeah, he he's going to get eighteen outs uh, in in a game. There there really aren't going to be very many guys that they're going to allow that rope to to go out there and and face a, a lineup 
a potential, uh, you know, a playoff lineup, which is going to be, you know, one of the best in baseball. Or Eighteen batters. They're not gonna, they're not gonna let them go out there and uh, and face that. It, it, there's gonna be a uh, a very strict case for that to actually happen, and there's just not very many guys like the way that Paxton's pitching right now. I could see that Tanaka. Who knows with the with the um, the, the history mark. with the you know the long ball potentially like they might they may not uh, allow him to go out there. They have this bullpen for a reason, and I think they're they're stretching these guys out and bringing them back to around that four inning mark. We've kind of joked about that that they're just becoming a a a, a, a pitching staff of four inning guys. Yeah. I just think it gives them so many more options in the point where, you know, like again, like you talked about the start of the opener, right? Like that would be a plan. And we'll discuss this, but the way that Hap's pitching right now, to me, why are we going to go out there and roll out a, a guy like Chad Green who could be effective in, in uh, we know he's a one-inning, two-inning max guy. Then he's burned after that for the next day, possibly two. Why not, if, if Herman's going well, I'm sorry, if Hap's going well, why not try to stre- see what we can get out of him because you might be able to stretch him into four or five innings and, and you know really eat up the, that space it just there's a cap on your on your potential um, payback when you have a guy like Chad Green in the playoffs I don't think you're going to be stretching Herman or Hap in the playoffs I think if they do use those guys in the playoffs I, wh- it is an exact four inning plan and then it's get out before we get I'm break. not saying stretch the pitcher I'm saying stretch that 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 position uh, as the starter of the game Okay. Yeah, and I think Paxton is a guy they trust to go more than four innings. You agree? Oh yeah. At this point, at I think this Tanaka, point for sure. I think Tanaka as long as Tanaka might just be a how does he look that night? It's true. And the plan might be we're going to evaluate in the middle of this game if he's going to pitch six innings, which he's more than capable of doing. We've seen him do this year very recently or get him out after 3 plus 4 plus because he'll look like he did last night and just completely lose lose something. In the fourth inning. I mean, to be very clear, I think that's going to be everybody. They're going to assess that on an, on an, on an every starter basis. I mean, look at look what Paxton did when he was in Seattle. He lost totally lost the strike zone in the what was it the fourth inning when he walked like four guys. So, I mean, that's just it. It's just it's it one of those it, things when you're in the playoffs that you you don't have the luxury of of waiting it out. But you got to be perfect with it. That's the thing with the op- but that's the thing with the opener too. That you got to be, you got to have every one of those guys that come in, every nine to ten or eleven, however many pitchers you're using in that game, be good. And that's a that's playing with fire. Well, I'm just trying to think who they trust. Who who do they trust to battle through a little bit of adversity in the middle of a baseball game? I think they I and think I, they trust Tanaka. I think they trust Paxton at this point. Um, no one else. Probably the, the probably the, the the big two guys right now. Because Severino's still a big unknown, and he's going to get one more start in Trenton, and then he's going to come back. The 17th, I believe, is the circle date against the Angels, and that's going to give him probably uh, two to three starts in the majors. So who, who the hell knows? There was a scout that said here. I put the scouting, what the scout said. Uh, on Friday for Severino, stuff was majorly caliber, did seem to start fighting his command and seemed to tire a little at the end. But overall, good life on his fastball and slider was sharp. Okay, yeah. Isn't that like every starters, every starter for us? Like, good stuff, really, looks really good, and then all of a sudden falls off. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're looking at Severino, who's been out for the entire season, and you're waiting. I know you that. Want, I know that. But this, is, this is the situation we're in. Look, there's a very good possibility that Severino is stretched out to 100 pitches by then. I mean, he's he's on pace for that. 
There's so if if he's feeling healthy and they and they're comfortable with what he's doing, and Severino gets a start and and he starts, if he comes back and gets two to three starts for the Yankees and and lights it up and is just is very good and each time goes a little bit further gradually or they see what they need to see out of him. I mean, like I I have zero problem with them going him at, you know as a as a as one of the the top three starters and going out there and and getting length. Like there's no reason for that that he can't do that at this point. Like physically and the timetable works out to a point where he could be ready for that. Yeah. I think he's going to have just enough time. Just enough time. To so do in that. that sense, the way that the Yankees have handled him, like barring anything catastrophic knocking on wood, like fingers crossed, everything possible at this point. They handled that pretty well. I I think as far as a timetable and like ramping him up and getting him back I guess they were they had, they had to completely redeem themselves from not getting that MRI when they first started the throwing program the first time and he went back down. They took their sweet yeah. ass time on this one, made sure that the CSI Bronx was all over Severino, making sure that he was right before we start that program. And uh, and they definitely took him, you know, brought him along slowly. So, well, I think once they saw they had a pretty healthy AL East lead, they had the luxury of taking their time and making sure all of these guys were right. Yep. No, it's true. And the, the two guys with Batances and Severino, I mean, more guys are going down left and right. Talkman leaves the game on Sunday night because Gio Urshela was activated. So yeah. someone had to be, someone had to to be, be sacrificed. There needs to be a roster sacrifice is, once we activate No someone. Non-contact injury. Day, the day football, the oh, yeah, day football starts, we get a non-contact injury in left field. What, what was the word he used that gra- he said? Gra- uh, oh, he said it popped. So he said it grabbed. He, something in his calf grabbed uh and then uh, i saw a quote that that lindsey adler tweeted um that it it felt like he got kicked in the back of the calf that's not good that's not good but he had also been maybe he had been dealing with something yeah he had soreness so to me you have a a a tender now you have you have tenderness in that in that area and uh and all of a sudden something grabbed not good when i first saw it i I was thinking let me put my doctor hat on oh yeah by the way i forgot to even mention this on the air which is terrible of me there's another doctor in the house. Physically, oh, right. physically another doctor Facebook. in the house, like in my house, in my current house. Uh, congratu- well, there's one doctor. There's another house. doctor. Congratulations to my wife, Bevan, who, um, who, who d- uh, successfully defended her dissertation and officially is now Dr. Reinen. That's pretty awesome. That's, that's very awesome. And I'm, I, she's way smarter than you. And she's that's true. Actually that's true. Has a, she actually has a doctor title. She also has a doctor title, yes. Does she know that you give me- your medical opinion on the show? Of course show? she does. And what does she think She's about that? She's fully supportive. She as a doctor, does she think that's that's ill-advised? No, she says, as a doctor, you should give your opinion because you know what you're talking about. That's what she says. Okay. So I have I do have the endorsement of another... Well, I can't say she doesn't support you. <laughs> I do have the endorsement of another doctor. Uh, that's... that's So, I mean, I can... I don't know if she wants to put her name on doesn't that. doesn't matter. I could go to... I could, <laughs> it's really my name at the same time, too. It's, it's interchangeable at this point. Dr. Reinen, I mean... Who are we really referring to at this point? Um, but yeah. when I put my doctor coat on and I look at my shingle with pride, I say when Talkman went up, the fact that he was kind of like holding his his foot the way he was, I thought it was calf or Achilles, fearing Achilles because it kind of looked like an Achilles thing. People were talking about, well, he walked off. You can walk off if you if you uh, if you tear something. You could still do that. It, it you can. It's happened many times. Um, that could have major playoff. Um, roster implications oh, it will for sure i think right now it does because that's something that even if you're even if it's like a poll if it's a bad poll or something like that that's that's still things happening in there that are, are tearing and not good um it's going to be an extended it's period because of time. 
Talkman was the guy who can rotate all outfield positions, and now we're we're getting sort of bad news on Hicks that he's seeing another uh, he's getting another opinion on his elbow. So we haven't really heard anything about Hicks. I don't know if we're going to see him at all. For the it rest feels of the like year. we're not right. So that leaves that leaves basically one center fielder. Brett Gardner team, is our center Gardner. fielder. Yes, and as much as we all love Brett Gardner, he's old. I don't care about the old thing. Like at this point, you're not old. You know, like you're in the season. He's playing out of his mind, so like the the age thing is not even a real thing for me. So I did some digging on Brett Gardner, and and also let me just say he's he's not the same defender in center field as he has in as he is in left field. Right. Mike Talkman is a better center fielder at this point in time than Brett Gardner defensively. Okay, as far as so, as far as coverage as well. Yeah, is the 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 fang, like the advanced fielding metrics, and I know we've talked about this a thousand times. How much do you really trust them? But but zone he's got better zone coverage in center. I gotta field say, if I'm Gardner at this point in his career, which is, is he, Gardner's not bad. Yeah, I trust I saying. trust Gardner in center field. Okay, so do I. Um, and people are loving Brett Gardner, and rightfully so. He's got 20, 21 home runs, ties his career high. It's like, well, what is this resurgence really based on? How, why is Brett Gardner at whatever age he is? You could tell me he's forty seven, and I'd believe you. Uh, why is he having this resurgence? And it really is just the power numbers. He has benefited from the juice ball and the fly balls. And that's fine if you're going to benefit from that because everyone's benefiting from it. But his, uh, his 2019 slash lines, 248, 327, 481. 481 slugging. He's never slugged that in his life. Because if you compare his walk rate, strikeout rate, on-base percentage, they're basically lock, lockstep with his career. So he's not getting on base. He's actually getting on base at a lower rate. Um, uh, probably because probably he's swinging for the fences more. 344 career on base percentage, 327 this year. So he's on base less. His batting average is lower than his career, but it's his slugging percentage. And that's baseball now, so that's fine. That's baseball, Scott. Home runs and fly balls, and he's taking advantage of yeah, it. Yeah, and I think we talked about this in the last episode or the one before that with his approach. I mean, his approach is different as well. It's not he's not the same slap hitter where he's he's you know shooting for a triple every single time. Like he's got that he's got that stroke now, that lefty stroke where he can he can wrap it around pesky pole or he can wrap it into the uh, into the short porch and and he's kind of tailored his swing a little bit more, you know, to get that launch angle. Whether it's him just an evolution of the player trying to uh, get the ball in the air a little bit more to to save legs, you know, over the duration of the season, uh, realizing that. As as time has gone on, he's just a, a better hitter in that in that sense, and or because of the the, the differences in the baseballs and the differences in the, the game of baseball and how uh, everything is um, you know being served up. So I I don't think those are crazy numbers when you look at the evolution of of, of how the um, the fly ball is is jumping out of the park. But yeah, he's certainly benefited from it. Good for him. Home runs home runs are up twenty two percent year over year. So if you want to give Brett Gardner a twenty two percent boost in home runs that's probably a realistic would you say that's realistic sure that's a lot it seems it sounds like a lot when i'm i mean it sounds like 25 percent to me that's a lot well it's it's about four home yeah. runs he's he's benefited about four home runs worth from the the new baseball slash launch angle revolution and i think everyone in baseball has because you're seeing more and more guys hit 15 to 20 home runs that are probably not 15 to 20 home run guys. You're seeing a lot of 20 plus guys, <laughs> a lot of 20 plus guys. now. I mean, look at all the 10 plus guys on the Yankees guys who haven't even really had significant time. Mike Ford, 10 home runs. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the thing. Like when you're looking at the playing time though, like the, when you see Mike Ford, it doesn't surprise you, but when you see the playing time, um, 
it's very clear that that guys are this is this is happening this is like an evolution of baseball uh, at the same time of the players and how they're developing as well from a lower lower level i mean at the launch angle launch angle and these metrics are being taught you know in high school at this point and and when you're seeing these guys come up swinging differently than they have been in the past you're going to see more home runs because that's how they're taught they're being taught to hit the ball out of the park what were you doing on saturday afternoon during Boobgate? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I was doing. I was watching the game casually, but I was cleaning up. I had a bunch of crap in our yard from, uh, from debris, from hurricane stuff. So I was, I was out helping. So did you see it live? I did not see it live. I didn't either. I was, I was, uh, I saw playing. it like immediately afterwards though. I mean, I was watching the game just, just yeah. more casually. I was being, t- <laughs> this is not a good way to say it, but I, I was, I was being mentally tortured on, on, uh, on Saturday afternoon because there was so much going on with sports between the Yankees and Red Sox game and, and the whole Antonio Brown stuff. And I could not look at my phone because uh, it was Leanne's wedding shower and I had to show up and play some of those those very fun games that uh, all of the grooms are subject to. So I didn't, I was, play, the, I didn't my, play those games. My phone was burning in my pocket and I was just like, God damn it, what is going on right now? Yeah. And I could not look at my phone. Yeah, you were, you were going out on, li- on limbs too that, that I didn't think normally you'd go out on because I, it felt like, I felt like you had lack of information on that point, the whole Antonio Brown saga. That, well, no, no, in the morning when you and I were going back and forth, I was, that, I mean, I was online then. So there was, so, yeah, so by there like was no seven, excuse for that. By 6 o'clock at night, I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew that he was signed with the Patriots. I knew nothing about the details. Yeah, it was, um, it's a, it was an interesting day in sports. When you're looking at what that is, that one, that one just still pisses me off, even though it didn't surprise me one bit because it's exactly what I expected it, to happen. It did surprise me, I'll tell you. I don't that. know why, but whatever. <laughs> you, I'm not do even you really want to get no, into this? I don't, because, because I don't think people want to see it. I don't. This. I don't. It's, it makes no sense. Keep going. But it was like what I just the got boob fucking pissed with, off for a minute there, and so I'm dropping f bombs here. <laughs> Boobgate with JD Martinez was one of those funny, just sort of moments because he had adventures out in right field with the the line drive from DD that he couldn't he couldn't field, and then the pop fly. I think it was Gary Sanchez down the right field line that he couldn't field, and then he's just plowing into the stands, hands first with with a with a woman in a New York Yankees shirt. Of course, it had to be a woman in a New York with Yankee like a low cut V neck too. So it's like yeah. you know the stage was set here. A voluptuous woman uh, in the front row. And that wall, that right field wall, is there's not much protection there because that thing's like five feet high. Yeah, it's <laughs> – I mean, when I, saw, when I saw the replay of that, it was, um, it was pretty funny. I mean, the reaction – her reaction, like the delayed reaction when you watch it in <laughs> slow motion is hilarious. Uh, but him, him – you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a tough call right there, man. Like, you know, the, the, the wall's low, but it's your home field. I feel like he kind of knows what he's doing there. Uh, so he so he spotted her earlier he in knows, the game, and he's like, look. He knows the situation. He knows the the, the uh, fence is low. He knows he clearly sees who's in the front row. Knows it's a Yankee fan. Probably doesn't. Well, care. What does it say on every seat? Beware of batted balls and flying bats and and, and grabby and, hands and yeah, promiscuous <laughs> grabby hands of of, um, of of the players themselves. That's that's assault, brother. So the other big takeaway from this game is that Jay Happ now in his last two starts has pitched 12 and a third innings, three hits, no runs, five walks, and 12 strikeouts. So what is going on with Jay Happ? The resurgence, baby. This is it. This is the one. He's starting to figure it out a little bit more. Like This is, this is the, something that we saw last time. I said, watch out. If Jay Happ starts pitching well again and he figures it out, like he's going to get trust pretty quick, I think. 
Um, the fact that he went out there against the Red Sox pitched well, like, isn't that was why we got him right <laughs> against the Red Sox? We're supposed to <laughs> too bad. It, too bad it didn't happen last year in the ALDS. He's supposed to. This is exactly why we got him. Brad Cashman's a genius. Um, but no, I mean the guy was a uh, the worst pitcher in Yankees history, and now he's come out throwing two good starts, and seemingly you can tell that he's got a little bit more confidence. He's he's definitely uh, he, he's he's talking about how he feels more comfortable out there, and that it's the fastball. Um, you have in the notes here that he used the fastball up in the zone. He's using the fastball and locating. He it got better. he got a handful of his strikeouts on that fastball up, and that that's his that's been his pitch. And maybe he's been afraid to throw it because you can get beat with a fastball up now. He hasn't been afraid he, to throw it. He's, he hasn't been locating it. He just hasn't located. Right, that's that what pitch. I'm saying. You you slightly miss location on a on a four seam fastball up in the zone, and a guy doesn't even have to really hit it well, but it's going to go out of the ballpark. That's the fear for every every guy now who's a, a fly ball fastball pitcher. You know, that's just the realization for 2019 for all of these guys. There have been so many pitchers that have just fallen off of a cliff because that's their that's their style of pitching, and it just doesn't work this year because it's getting knocked out of the park. And uh, those long fly balls are now home runs, and uh, that's it's chasing guys early. So, look, Herman, I'm not going to get overly excited about this. It's it's good to see you have a veteran guy who um, you hope has, has, has kind of figured it out. And we've been waiting for a long time. We've always said that he's more of that cerebral type pitcher who should figure these things out because he's always been that guy. And he's always, we've seen even, um, you know, when he uh, was acquired, the he had a, a bad start to the year and then finished it off very well. So he's, he's made adjustments during seasons in the past. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I think we all thought it was going to happen at some point. It just... Some people got off that that wagon when it just didn't happen and didn't happen and didn't happen. It's taken forever. So this is a good thing. If he's figuring it out now, that's great because that gives us another a potential option uh, that's another four-inning guy. Absolutely. And he, like I said, he's prob- he's pitching his way onto the playoff roster. I don't know if he's pitching his way into the playoff rotation. Well, again, I think it's situational. I mean, last week you were talking about we, we, we had the, the scenario of when you're, you're looking at a guy trying to get length instead of doing the opener in a game three situation, right? Luis Sessa or Jay Happ. That was the situation, right? I said yeah. Happ's the guy because, uh, you know, again, if he continues this, this, this path and, and you start to see a good Happ, they're going to go with a guy like that because he could potentially give more, yeah. more length. And they're I going to trust in a situation that's a starter – Jay Happ over Sessa. Well, no, you said Sessa at, the, at, at that point. Okay, that was fair, though. Who had pitched better to a week ago in the season? Yeah, but the situation was basically, I'm saying, like, if, if Happ finishes the season well, that's our situation. Yeah. So they're going to go with the starter. Anyway, they're going with the starter. That's the thing. Like, they're, they're going to try to get length. They'll both be on the roster. It's potential. Uh, Happ very well could take Sessa's spot. Like, that's the same spot to me, right? It, it's a long guy. If he's not starting the game, it's a long guy out of the pen or a potential guy that can, you know, maybe eat well, some Well, no, in now the then you're, you're deciding between who would we, ra- we rather use out of the bullpen. And Luis Sessa has far more experience pitching out of the bullpen than Jay Happ. I just don't know how much that comes into play when you're talking about a playoff situation. Um, Happ's a lefty. There's a lot more things that I think may be appealing for Happ. Uh, even if it's out of the bullpen. Like, I don't know how much that really comes into consideration if you have experience out of the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Aaron Judge's uh, numbers against the Red Sox, but before we do that, I want to tell you about Indochino. We partnered, first of all, with Indochino on that Legend Suite giveaway, and um, it, it got a lot of, uh, lot of entrance, and, and shout-out to them because you give away Legend Seats. That's pretty awesome. So we're very excited about that, and also... 
about uh, their suits and, and why going in and getting fitted custom, a custom fit suit is so much better than just going into any department store and buying off the rack. I've done it. I know you've done it. Like when you first graduate college and you just need something to look professional in an interview, like, okay, give me the cheapest suit out there just so I don't look like an asshole. Well, you end up looking like an asshole because it doesn't fit you. With Indochino, you're going to go in, you're going to get a professional experience, you're going to get people who know how to uh, fit you right, and if you want like a more modern, slim fit, they're going to do that for you. You can customize the inside of the jacket, uh, you can get some initials on it, so you can really uh, make it a personal uh, clothing item. Uh, they, they also, if you're looking to get married, they outfit grooms parties, um, and they have showrooms all across the country. There's o- over 40 showrooms in North America. So you can just make uh, an appointment online at Indochino.com. Uh, you can go in there and uh, feel like your, your money is really going towards something that's, uh, that's going to look good on you. The, the good thing about Indochino is that today you can get a uh, premium suit for 369 bucks at Indochino.com when entering Bronx at checkout. Plus, the shipping is absolutely free. I love how you say if you're looking to get married. That's always a that's always an interesting. If you're that's what the copy if says. If you're looking to get married, let's uh, let's let go find that girl. Good luck. Go find that girl. Indochino.com. Hey, Fra- hey Frank. Frank, <laughs> I know you're listening right now, and I know, I, I know you're looking to get married. Maybe go check out Indochino.com. Indochino.com uh, promo code Bronx. Get any premium suit for 369 bucks and free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a premium made to measure suit. Once you go custom, you never go back. That's a good tagline. Um, so Judge, I kind of teased this. His uh, People are freaking out, uh, as they do with Aaron Judge, about everything he does or doesn't do, about his numbers against the Red Sox. And, of course, I pull these statistics, and then on Sunday night, he goes two for five with a home run. But before Tuesday night, in his career against the Red Sox, he had a 732 OPS, which is not great. Nine homers in 47 games, and he struck out at a 29% clip. And then in 2019, before Sunday night, he had a 626 OPS, which is even worse. Two homers in 14 games, also a 29% strikeout rate. And that, let me just note that 29% for Aaron Judge is not horrible. He strikes out over his career at like a 31% rate. So Judge against Boston, not the best Aaron Judge, not the best version of Aaron Judge. What's the takeaway here? I'll tell you the very, very simple, easy takeaway. Who gives a shit? Boston oh, is not relevant. I, I was not expecting Boston that not, out of you. Boston is not relevant. I don't care anything about Boston. They're no longer. They don't even have a GM right now. They put on put some scrub from internally onto that position. They're not relevant. They are ninety seven games out of first place. Uh, their their souls have been crushed. They're done. They're looking at football. I don't care how Aaron Judge does in Boston or against Boston. I don't care. Even if they were relevant. These numbers wouldn't mean much to me because things change. And Aaron Judge is a guy that I trust. And if he's struggling, I expect him to do better. So, but again, the, the, beauty, the beautiful thing is, and this is, a great, this is a great takeaway, honestly. Who cares? They're not relevant. And that's a good thing. Well, I think a lot of these numbers were also, he had been really bad at Fenway Park. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Do you think that's an approach thing? I, A-Rod was talking about this last night, your favorite oh, he's broadcaster. Oh, is that uh, Aaron Judge's rep- approach is always up the middle to right field, and at Yankee Stadium, that, that works beautifully. But at Fenway Park, that's the big part of the stadium. Yeah, I mean, well, you could also argue the fact that he hits the ball so damn hard, that is the big part of the, of the stadium. You're, you're hitting more gaps, too, because there's a, there's a giant gap in right center field you know, for at, at Fenway Park. So 
I think it plays just fine there. And, you know, if he's going down right field, you can still creep one out if you're going down the line at uh, yeah, right at down Fenway. the line. We saw Gardner and Talkman do yeah, it. Yeah, but the thing is, is when you hit the ball that hard and you're Aaron Judge, like a lot of those um, those line drives are going out. And I know it's a short, shorter fence where you can catch a lot of those, uh, but you don't have to get the ball that high to get it out in right field either. So the fa- I think it plays at both places. So I, I don't really think that's a, a, a great a piece of analysis by Arod. Not, not, not to say that he says a lot of great things. In all honesty, he said he's, three he's separate lost. times last how can night. I, how can anybody get past that picture of him sticking his stupid head out of the out of the wall? <laughs> and when you zoom in, it says lost. Where do you rank that in the all-time Arod pictures? Because remember, he's had the kissing the mirror picture. Yeah. He's had the feeding the popcorn picture with Cameron Diaz. Oh, right. He had the Central one. Park, the Central Park sun tanning picture. Like this man has had some doozies of pictures. Yeah, he also he didn't he, he had the one um, was it last year or the year it was the year before where he's just like his head is in his in his hands. We we memed the hell out of it where it was like Girardi talking. Oh, he was like in deep yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> you know there's some of these things are indescribable. I I was uh, I tweeted about this. I don't know if you've seen it, but um. Did you did you see the uh, the Netflix special? What's it called? Knuckleball or Screwball or something like that? No, I haven't seen it yet. It, the documentary about the, the, the Balco about right? Balco, yeah, the whole PDs thing, and they go down to um, basically it's it's about the the entire Miami saga. It's it's interesting. I mean, I think we knew a lot of the information, but when you when you watch it and you see the story, it's kind of from the guys on the ground. Isn't it with kids? Doesn't don't kids play the part? Yeah, of but they're, they're it's like a theatrical uh, remake. The kids are it's almost right. like um, Drunk History, where yeah. the kids are, are talking in the place of adults. I've heard very good reviews. It was of it. it was super interesting. I definitely was expecting to like turn it on for like twenty minutes and then go to bed, and I watched the entire thing, and it was like two hours long. So um, it was interesting. I mean. I'm not a Bay Rod fan, and I think everybody understands that. So if there's <laughs> there's an opportunity to to like shit on A Rod, I'll, I'll take advantage of that. And uh, this was one of them. He just looks like a just, just such a scumbag. You know, it just it rem- you remind you're reminded of what a horrible situation that whole thing was, and how scummy every single person involved from the top to the bottom was involved. Like Manfred, people forget was second in charge, and re- Manfred had his fingers all over that thing. Um, yeah. And then he becomes the uh, you know the heir apparent to Selig, who gets the blame. But Manfred was really the guy. He was the sheriff. I mean, they were working in tandem. So, uh, the, the well, there's thing so many people. Scummy. There's so many people, and they're probably people that only know A Rod from dating J Lo. That just think A Rod is like this goofball cornball that posts on Instagram these really awkward photos. Yeah. And it's like, no, he has this past where like. He pissed all over his cousin's floor to establish his dominance. There was like, he has done some messed up shit. Yeah, there was definitely uh you know, there was there was definitely like a, a mafia type situation happening with him uh, at that point where where, you know, things were disappearing, people were possibly disappearing, you know, there were there were just it was uh, it was sketchy. So yeah, that whole thing. I don't even know where we where we got off with this, but I don't know. I want to bring it back with uh, the Yankees and why home field advantage is so important in the playoffs. And we've talked about this, but I did a lot of uh, research to find you know just different metrics, both offensively and uh, pitching wise, that I really don't think the Yankees can get through all all three playoff rounds unless they have home field advantage. They're such a better team at home. And let me first say that. They have a their offensive numbers are better on the road than they are at home. I was shocked by this. They've scored five point four runs a game at home, and they score six point three runs a game on the road. They have a one eleven WRC plus at home and a one twenty two WRC plus on the road. 
I, I, I was, I was honestly, I, I triple checked these numbers because I didn't believe them, but that's the case. Just because they're better offensively does not mean they're a better team because they're so much better pitching wise across the board. Their entire starting staff, we know, is uh, much better at home where they have a uh, 438 FIP and they allow one and a half home runs per nine innings and 2.8 walks per nine innings. On the road, they have a 5.2 FIP and they allow 2.2 home runs per nine innings and about the same walk rate, 2.7 walks per nine. And then when you break it down by uh, the bullpen is also slightly better at home than they are on the road. But the three big starters, uh, Paxton, Tanaka, and Herman, and really Tanaka and Herman, have much better stats at, at home. Um, the, a, a big number here, not just the ERAs, because all of the ERAs are significantly lower, but this, these weighted on base averages. So Paxton at home, 290 Woba, 329 Woba on the road. Tanaka, 286 at home, 343 on the road. Herman, 263 at home, 343 on the road. Like significantly, talk, talk uh, speak specifically to that stat though, and why you think it's significant for people who have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just how 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 often are you allowing batters to get on base? Like the objective is to keep batters off base, right. and when you only allow them on base at a 286 or a 263 clip, you're doing very well. And when they're getting on base 343, 34.3% th- of the time, that's more pitchers, that's more base runners, that's more home runs that aren't solo home runs that are three run home runs. That's you're not going to go deeper into games. Everything is worse when that number is higher. So that's one of the, I think that the, the big takeaway when you're looking at the the Woba stat when you're looking at these numbers and and how significant they are. First of all, like there this is a telling story obviously because it's uh the discrepancy is is massive. Um I know over the if you looked over the past month, you'd probably see much better numbers from Paxton especially and Tanaka. With Paxton. Yeah, Paxton and Tanaka especially. as well. But but Herman, you'd see worse numbers probably. Um, that being said, the this is season sample. Season sample, exactly. But that being said, the 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 Woba number is so significant for the fact that you just said you have more base runners on for when that ball goes out of the park. It's it's it's, and it's gonna go so much more damage. And this year, the ball's going out of the park, so you can you can directly associate. This particular stat doesn't matter how they get on. If there's runners on base, there the the possibility that that ball is going to fly out on the next pitch or the next batter with runners on is a higher significant, a higher percentage chance this year. What do we say? Twenty two percent for for a guy like Brett Gardner uh, and and across. Well, that's the league, just the league. Twenty two percent home runs. So are you're up. looking at um, a significantly higher chance of more damage done when that ball does go out of the park, and that's a big deal because in Yankee Stadium the ball goes out of the park. Uh. And when you're facing teams like uh, if you have to face Minnesota on the road or Oakland on the road or especially Houston on the road, all of those teams are much better at home too, offensively. So I mean, you'd probably see that across the board that that yeah, people are, well, not the are, Yankees. are better <laughs> offensively. I'm I'm saying offensively, you're seeing the majority yeah. of that time. So I and and what what do you put more importance on in the playoffs, offense or pitching? I it depends. I mean. I mean, obviously, the I think most people would say pitching because if you limit the other team to not scoring runs, well, then you don't have to score a lot of runs, right? Like, so I, I, it maybe, starts let with me pitching. Ask a question di- differently: Would you rather? So it, it, these numbers say the strengths of the Yankees pitching wise are at home and offensively on the road. Where would you rather play? What strength would you what would you rather play into? Pitching for sure, because I don't think the discrepancy for the offense is, is as drastic by any. By it's a little bit. It's a. It's it's almost a full run. Yeah, but but their their margin of victory is better on uh, at home than it is on. Sure, the road. that that's fine. But at the same time, it's it's a. Uh, I would much rather limit the opposing team 
for that then uh then score that extra run because that that margin of victory if you're looking at it um doesn't need to be as high if you're not if they're not allowing them to score runs and also uh i'd like to see that uh runs per game if they never played in baltimore <laughs> yeah that's true uh but no i mean you you, you can't you got to lump all the stats in with them so it's just uh, it's just one of you know i i do really think they should go balls to the wall for for home field advantage i think it's crucial i just don't i don't think it's a it's, it's a decision right like i i think that they're they're doing that it's a matter no, of just no. it happening i'm not saying they're not yeah. but i i think that it's it's very important for them to get home field advantage. i agree i think i think home field advantage is uh you know boone said all the right things when they were talking about it last night they were asking him in between innings at some point like you know is that is that part of your game plan now, obviously yes it's part of our game plan he's like gotta sew up the east first that's happening uh, the fact that they're going, the fact that that, that you know the next couple, uh, next however many games, six seven games is against uh, Boston, who now doesn't have a general manager and essentially is uh, you know Detroit. bullpenning. Then we have Detroit, Detroit, who has a hundred losses, and uh, Toronto, Toronto, who can be a dangerous bad. offensive team. Uh, so that's that's a good thing. Like tune your pitchers up, but we could score runs against them. That's a good thing. There, there should be a lot of wins coming in, no matter who's playing. And remember, they have to finish a game better than Houston to get home field advantage. Right. Yeah, it's important. There's no doubt about it. And I think so, as the health, as they as they continue to get health and then lose guys because that's what happens <laughs> this year, especially uh, they're they're going to be better. They're going to be better for it. Like having Encarnacion to me as back has been uh, a really good thing because you just see how much of an impact he has uh, on the on the, he's the lineup. Such a good, he's hitter. so good, he's such a good, yeah. He's, he's um, one of those really feared guys in the lineup that just doesn't give an F and will go out there and smoke a ball. And like, I, I feel like he's one of those guys that puts the absolute fear in God of, in, in opposing pitchers. So Encarnacion, like we knew he was a good hitter. We talked about it when the Yankees acquired him. You look at his stats since 2012 and he's the best power hitter in baseball. But like watching him every day and the at-bats he takes and like the difference of having Encarnacion in the lineup, it, I think it's significant. I think he's like a very – he's – He's a very underrated hitter, in my opinion, when you think about the last 10 years of baseball. Probably, because he's what well, Cleveland's been the team that, that's actually done anything that he's been on. But um, Well, Toronto got to Toronto, the ALCS right. back-to-back You're years. Right. They had, I, I feel like it's it, the markets that he's he been in. He was hitting 40 bombs like when no one was hitting 40 bombs in baseball. The markets that he's been in, to me, has, has kind of played into that. I feel like there's just a bias for all these... Uh, these larger markets, second rate, second rate organizations. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe that's it, and maybe we're just so in tune to Yankee Yankee world that yeah, we haven't seen probably. it as much as, uh, than most people have on the, on the major league side. But look, he's phenomenal, and yeah, he's a he's a feared hitter. Like that's to me when you when you see another guy that's in that lineup that's like a uh, one of those feared guys um, that can take you deep at any point, and I think that he's got that reputation. He's an assassin, man. He's just one of those guys who can go out there and will rip your face off, and I love that. I love that. That dovetails nicely into our first mailbag question from Jared. It's a little long, so bear with me. I'm known to stumble over these long mailbags. He says, I want to start this off by saying I am not a Giancarlo hater, but even when we acquired him, I thought it was too much of the same thing for our lineup. Big daddy hacks resulting in either homers or strikeouts. And I cannot say I hate it entirely, though, because when he's hot, I love watching him hit the ball 110 miles an hour at 500 feet. However, that is not what this lineup needs. Throughout the entire year, the story of the Yankees offensively is timely and situational hitting, specifically runners in scoring position and the FU nerds clutch hitting. 
If you look at the last four World Series winner, Boston, Houston, Cubs, Royals, you'll notice only the Cubs did not have an offense which was top five in both batting average and strikeout rate. Uh, then he, he lists all the stats, but the stats back it up with, with, with what he said. As of September 3rd, the Yankees ended the day fourth in all of baseball in average and striking out slightly above average. As much as I love watching Big G go up and launch baseballs into orbit, I don't think it would be in the team's best interest for him to come back. So uh, let me first get out of the way some of... Uh, don't you agree there's a notion that this year's team does not strike out as much as last year's team? It, it, it's a feeling. I feel like it feels that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, they actually are striking out at the exact same rate, 22.7% strikeout rate, down to the exact rate last year and this year. Okay, so the, um, the difference being, I think, this year... Yes, there's a big difference. Is, 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 when, they're, well, is when they're doing it. When they're striking yeah. out. So in high leverage situations this year, the Yankees have a 146 WRC+. Plus. Do you realize how fucking mental that is? <laughs> They're 46% better than the rest of the league in uh, high-leverage situations, which is blowing away Houston at 118, and they rank second. In 2018, the Yankees had an exactly league average 100 WRC plus in high leverage. 2017, 101 WRC plus. So they were league average the last two years in WRC plus in high-leverage situations. This year, they're lapping the field pretty much. They're so good in these high-leverage situations. And it's a reason why their offense have been, has been so dangerous. And the reason why we are saying clutch hitting is a real thing. DJ LeMahieu has changed the mentality. Gio Rochella has come up time and time again. Uh, you know, every, Frazier, down the lineup. Look at Frazier who has phenomenal numbers with runners in scoring position. But you go up and down the lineup and you can name a player and name a big hit that they've had this yeah. year that has either helped come back, win a game, extra innings hit, whatever it may be. Um, so it's been so fun to watch. The nerds will say that's not sustainable. That a 146 WRC many, plus in high leverage situations is not sustainable. How many games are we into the season? But it doesn't matter. That does not matter because they're talk. They they will say the Yankees will will come back the next time up. They will start to come back down to earth each next time right. up. I even if I grant you that. And they are 20 points worse than they are now. They are still a 126 WRC plus, which is still a clear margin for best in baseball. So even if they are overinflated, they're still by far and away best in baseball in these situations. So the nerds believe in in do right, like that guy's due for a slump. That guy's due for a home it, run. Do yeah, do in the do works both ways. If they're if they're uh, they're if they will they believe whatever the player is doing. Uh, they will come back down to the it's law of averages. They're just saying that, like, what comes up must must. Yeah. It's really not that. It, what goes down must come up. What goes up. It's, must it's come really down. not that. Uh, that that like that bold of a of a theory. That's math. Yeah, I, that's math, baby. I guess the thing. It's funny because, you know, when you look at this, you're like, yeah, we've been we've known that forever. You don't even need all these advanced metrics to understand that concept. It's a very it's a very broad concept in the sense. But the fact is that they have done this for an extended period of time. And yeah, maybe they're saying it's going to come down a tick or two, but they've now put such a such a large size down uh, printed of these numbers that they're not. It's not coming down at a rate because even if they tank the rest of the season, you're still seeing it's still great. It's it's still great. So so what are you really saying? Are they are you are they claiming victory because of that? No, they're wrong. <laughs> that's that's the beauty of it. Like they've they've sustained this for the entire season well, essentially. <clears throat> well. The here's the thing I will say. 
You can you can always find can... a victory if you're looking for like marginal numbers, and then if you say, oh well, from now until then they're gonna it's gonna come down because you know I'm a nerd and that's what's gonna happen. Well, no, they they've sustained it pretty much the entire season. I don't think you can expect a 146 WRC plus in high leverage situations against better pitching in the sure playoffs. that's fair, but you can expect better at bats than they had in the last last year's playoffs because even though they're striking out the same rate look at their team batting average year over year 2018 249 2019 270 it's a huge jump so there's there's like there's some situations that i was having a uh, discussion about this with wb who's a uh, a moderator in our facebook group and it, it wasn't an argument it was just kind of like a just discussion <laughs> between two men talking about baseball and uh you know, we were talking about, like, I, I, this was, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago. I wanted to see the Yankees win a close game, late late in the game, uh, low-scoring close game, right? And not that that means much in the grand scheme of things, but I think when you have, to me, this is just my personal opinion, when you have the mentality of uh, you could go out there and score two runs and win a game and not have to rely on that offense, and then your pitching can also sustain that two-run lead through the entire game, like, to me, that's something that, that says... Uh, something more about your team. It's a, it's a situation that I like because you, I think you see that situation more in the playoffs. You see, you tend to see more low scoring games. You see better pitching, right? Because there's better perform, better uh, higher stakes, better better players. All in theory, you're not facing Baltimore's pitching staff in the playoffs. You're, so, so so you're training your body, you're training yourself, you're training your team to to now be in in uh, in a situation, right? And you're and you're hang, and you, you have that feeling. It, it, to me, that's that's something like what what they're doing. Like the fact that they're they've hit at such a high level with in high leverage situations, and they've sustained it. Like the approach is different, the feeling is different. They they uh, they go into these at bats confident. They know that they're going to execute. And I think when you have that mentality, when you have that experience, and similar to what I think in like a close game, like if that if you have as a team experience in winning close games that are low scoring, like I think that's a very good thing entering the playoffs. Um, and, and and that's I think it's all I think muscle memory can, and like mental I think, me- memory for for what you're for what you're doing. And I think all that experience helps. I think momentum can work in uh, a good way or a bad way in these kinds of situations. Like last year, don't you feel that every time they would get the bases loaded and then the first guy no no outs? I remember the situation in the in the uh, at Fenway Park. I think it was game one, bases loaded and Stanton was up and he struck out. It's like the next guy coming up is like ah oh, shit. Like okay, here we go again. And it can work that way, and everyone's Well, there's also a lot more pressure work. on that guy, too, now, because you know... There's more pressure, or it can work the other way, where it's like, doesn't matter who's up next, they're going to have a quality at bat, right. and if they don't come through, I'm going to come through. And if I don't come through, the next guy's going to come right, through. Right, exactly. And doesn't that help your mentality when you're at the plate as well, knowing that you, don't, you don't have to be perfect? This is, the, this, is not in, this is the part of the game that, even though I feel I lean more... I, I have adapted more of these advanced metrics and put stock into them. I still think that the advanced metrics people fail to understand the human element. There's a human situational element situational and, and situational play. And if you want to call it clutch or not clutch, fine. But all I know is that there's a human walking up to bat to face another human throwing a baseball. Right. And, and and when you have a situation where there's however many people bearing down on you, getting loud as hell if you're on the road, or just you can you can feel the tension and the expectations if you're at home. That's a lot of pressure, and and whether you can deal with that pressure, and your your hands are moving a little bit uh, slower, or they're a little bit more jittery, or your your legs are, are feeling a little bit more numb in that situation, that can affect your performance. So yeah, I, I think that being in a situation multiple times over again, 
helps you deal with it at, at a high leverage, um, more high pressure situation too, because you feel more comfortable. And then also knowing that the guys behind you will pick you up and you don't have to fear failure. That's huge. So to get to Jared's question about Stanton coming back, uh, I kind of made it. I, so how many position players do you think the Yankees are going to carry uh, on the playoff roster? 12 or 13? Um, I, it depends on who the pitchers are, I, really. Cause it, I think 12. I think they're going to lean extra pitchers. So uh, I've made sort of a going with that 12 It's a, It's either that or categories. that last guy is, is, a, is a base runner, is a Tyler Wade type. Okay, I think that's a waste of a roster spot, as you'll see from my categories. So I made different categories. The never-sit list, which includes Judge, LeMahieu, Glaber, and Gary. Do you agree with that? Meaning every playoff game, they're starting no, no matter what. Yeah. The rotate list, which well, means Gar- they're going to be Gardner's playing Gardner's in that list in there now, too. Okay, yeah. So this was actually before uh, Talkman's injury, and uh, I don't know if Gardner's in there. Because I think he's... The rotate list means... Most of these guys are playing every day, but what, like they might be sitting based on matchups because I could see them not starting Gardner based on a matchup. So the rotate Who's list gonna, includes they're gonna, maybe they're, they're, who are they moving to center field? That's the problem. Right okay, now. so so now that that is a problem because I made this list before right, so Gardner went down and and before Hicks had a setback. Yeah. But okay, if yes, seeing those injuries, yes, Gardner might be on the never sit list because they don't have a center fielder. But the rotate list I made was. Uh, Edwin, Voigt, Geo, Hicks, Gardner, Stanton, and Didi. And then the bench list at the time was Talkman and Romine. Okay? And then the uh, probably not going to be on the team, but there might be a spot for them depending on situations, was Mabin, Ford, Estrada, Frazier, and someone like Valera. Right. Okay? And then get out of my face list is Tyler Wade because I don't want him on the roster just to run the bases. I mean, you'd rather Valera on the list than Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade at least brings some element of, of uh, something that can help you with, with running the bases. No, I, I think Estrada, defense. if he's, he's healthy, a better would, defensor. Would we haven't seen Estrada in, in forever. He's been hurt. Like, who the hell knows what, what right. you get from him at this point? You don't know. <clears throat> uh, I don't want – see, that, that's the thing. Like, that was always my argument with Tyler Wade. It's like, I don't want him to be the starter. No, there's, I don't want him to be that guy. I, there's a very clear role for him in this. It's defense and running bases. That's it. If you need a bunt to be laid down, like, okay, Tyler Wade could probably do it as well as anybody. Like, he's one of those guys that is a very, very niche type guy on this roster uh, that would be on here for a reason. So he can play the outfield, but do you want him playing the outfield? It depends who we're talking. I mean, at this point, when there's uh, no other center fielders that we're looking at, and you have a, a situation where Gardner goes down. Let's just talk about that for a second, knock on wood. What happens in the sixth inning and he goes down and you have all these players? Ma- Mabin would be the guy, right? Mabin would be the guy. But then there's... Or Judge. Judge would possibly shift over to center. I mean, he's been there before. But Tyler Wade's a guy that could go out and play the outfield. And he's got speed and athleticism. And, you know, this there, talk- could be better, so- there could be worse situations. This Talkman injury could really be serious because we don't know what Stanton's going to be. And that means... You're like you just said. You laid out a scenario where Gardner is the only center field. Yeah, because of this Hicks Hicks and Talkman situation. So, I I made the I made the, these categories. There there it's they can change um, because we just talked about how I don't really want Encarnacion sitting at any point. So yeah, he's rotating between DH and first base, but I always want him in the lineup. Well, I think it a hundred percent depends on how Stanton comes back for Encarnacion, where he would be on that list because. 
um, he's he's a guy that's going to be in every day, pretty much. Stanton? No, Edwin. Because oh, yeah. I, I mean, especially if Stanton's not there. But if, you know, if Stanton is there, I think they'll find a way to get both of those bats in there. Um, but because Stanton's coming back so late, like to me, he would be the guy sitting over Edwin. When you're looking at both of those players, they're they're similar in the sense that when you look at the player, uh, you know, you're getting a right-handed bat, power bat that is a DH essentially. So which guy would you rather? To me right now, Edwin's the guy because he's, he's been playing the entire season, obviously, and Stanton, we have no idea what to get, what to expect from him. And, and you're just getting better at bats from Edwin Encarnacion because not only is he one of the most prolific power hitters, but he has really good at bats too. I mean, he does not swing at bad pitches. The guy works the count uh, and he kind of plays into the, you know, the, um, those numbers when you're, you want a guy to not strike out in a big situation. Like Edwin's going to give you a big at bat. Uh, I agree. The uh, Yeah, so the next question, it's a quick one, but uh, Sean asked, does the suspension of Pineda change who you'd want to face in the playoffs? Would you prefer to play the Twins in the ALDS or the A's, Rays, or Indians? We mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I do want to mention Michael Pineda, big fella, going down for the PEDs. He sucked at the beginning of the season, then he must have started roiding because he's now has a 401 ERA and a 402 FIP. Which doesn't sound great, but when you realize the league ERA is like four point five, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, the the perc- I wonder what the metric, at, like the percentage of flailing arms, is in the second half. Probably lower at this point. He got popped for it was like a um, a heart medication as well, I think too. But it's also a, a masking agent. That's the uh, or blood pressure. That's or what most of the guys get. Was. Most guys get popped for masking. Yeah, agents. absolutely, and and the, because it's also like, oh, what it was because of my health. No, it was a masking agent. Because there's no medical reason why you should be taking. Nah, it. you were taking dick pills, yeah. buddy. I mean, you would have a prescription for that because of something. Like there would be a reason, that, and there's no reason. You're masking something. It's very clear. Cano is the same way. Shocking that uh, that Pineda is uh, got popped. Not shocking at all. Like probably if you if I had a, a list to rank like guys who were due to get popped and it would it would be not a, I would not be surprised in the least bit. Pineda would be a, that would be a top five guy in my on my list. Um, so does it change your opinion on the Twins at all? I think now I want to play them less. I wanted to play them more when the possibility of facing Michael Pineda in the playoffs <laughs> So it's actually hurt them now that somebody else yeah. will be pitching? Yeah, no, it doesn't, it doesn't really play into any, any consideration for me. Michael Pineda was never uh, a factor in my considerations of how I was going to fear the Twins. No, definitely not. I mean, the Twins, there's, there are things to fear on the Twins. Michael Pineda was it not. It has everything to do with their offense. And I think that if you're, again, looking at the teams playing in a potential ALDS, the Indians are kind of on the outside looking in right now. Um, So it's to be determined if they're going to even get in. But the A's, because of how they played them and the fact that the Yankees would have to go play in Oakland, two two of those games flying across the country and how the struggles that they've had in Oakland, that doesn't sound fun to me. No, yeah. And there's always the potential of getting, you know, poisoned by the rat infestation as well when you get over Mm -hmm. there. Rat poop. A lot of, lot of bad things, yeah. I'm not sure if toxoplasmosis goes uh, along with the rats. Not my... Actually, if, if, a if, cat, if, Clint a Frazier, if they a bring Clint Frazier... Yeah. yeah. If they bring Clint Frazier and just tell him, listen, you're only on this roster to bring your cats along to take care of the rat problem in the Oakland, in the Oakland clubhouse, mm. that might be a good idea. No, it's not a good idea. I would never bring a cat into, into the situation. That's, to me, that's just, that's just really trying to negate a negative with a negative. And the... Cats take care of rats. Cats do take care. Of, well, cats take care of mice. I don't know how much a cat and a rat take care of each rat, other. Rats and mice are in the same. Rats family, are much bigger. They? Rats are probably the size of cats. This is like a Dr. Seuss book now. But the, 
I, I'm not bringing toxoplasmosis knowingly into my clubhouse. Sorry, I'm not doing that. Okay. Even though Clint, well, Fra- even no. though Clint Frazier's in there. But I, I don't so think Clint Frazier's ra- farting on people's lockers or their pillows. We did this a couple weeks ago, but give an updated power ranking of who you are most scared of to face in the ALDS out of those four teams. Yeah. I mean, I'm, again, I still, I still lean towards Cleveland, even though it's a possibility even that they're, they're not there. not currently in the, in the playoffs. Well, I mean, does, the, the question is, is if they're in the playoffs, right? So that's mm-hmm. my, if, if, if we're looking at that, then, then yeah, if they're in this, this spot, then to me, Cleveland has the most talent and has the most firepower to be um, dangerous in a, a short. tough pitching yeah. staff. Uh, Oakland, you know, they're, they're a young, hungry team. They, they feel the ball well on one side of the left side. Simeon, I know, has been better, but I, I feel like ever since they started talking about him being an improved fielder, he was just shitting the bed, throwing the ball all over the place. Uh, but no, it's, uh, they're, they're a team that they can absolutely do damage, and we struggled against their pitching. While I don't think that it's a – they don't put the fear in me like Cleveland's pitching staff does. I don't think they have the top-end potential that Cleveland does. They're still a good team. It could be damaged. And you're right. Going over to the West Coast, doing that, that, that long trip, playing that dump is a problem. Could be a problem. I, w- I would rank them uh, A's, Indians, Rays, Twins. Yeah, and then, and, but the Rays are playing well, too. And if they get uh, Glasnow and back. They have pitching. Yeah. They have pitching in a short series that could be a problem. With Morton as well. Absolutely. Morton, and if Glasnow is, continues to get extended and he's a guy that can go and uh, you know, be, be a significant chunk of that game, then that, that could be a problem because he's got a ton of talent. Um, so they, they have a lot of talent as well, and they can hit the ball uh, too. But, um, yeah, I'd actually put Tampa, uh, Tampa and Oakland pretty close because Tampa's playing well too right now. They're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not playing like a, a bad team. They're playing like a pretty good team. They've stayed pretty close. The difference this year is the Yankees have played well in Tampa, which is unusual. That is unusual. And again, once we get into the playoffs, like I throw everything out of the window pretty much. It's just the way I look at things because I think that um, you know it, it, it's a new new life. You're scrubbing it and, and see what happens at this point. And they've had struggles in the past. I mean, that place is a, a weird, weird hockey arena, minor league hockey arena. I, I don't trust anything about that place. I can <laughs> see a scenario where a freaking speaker comes into play in a pivotal point in the playoffs. Yeah, that would be the worst. Yeah, I don't know how I would sleep all offseason if, if that was the case. That's going to do it for the mailbags and for this episode. Thank you guys for submitting your questions. Uh, you could do so for every Monday's episode, uh, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. And also, Scott, I see you're wearing the Hug Season shirt, Cameron Mabin's, uh, to support Cameron Mabin's foundation. We're going to see a lot of Cameron Mabin with this Talkman injury. So go out, go to the fan shop. And uh, check out those Hug Season shirts. 100% of the proceeds go to support Mabin's Foundation. So it's for a good cause. Any last words? Yeah, it, that's uh, Mabin Mission. And these will be directly affecting uh, Dream Charter School in Harlem. So it's, uh, it's definitely good to see money go to, uh, to those kids. Another, another thing that we're going to be giving towards kids, because that's, it's really become uh, a, a part of our mission. And moving forward, you're going to see it a lot more. But the beautiful thing is not only did we sell 472 tickets for the playoffs, but because we sold 472 tickets for the playoffs, uh, we are now able to donate and we are donating for next year. Again, this is a direct result for you guys coming and the BP crew coming to this game and buying these tickets and coming to sit with us. Now we are paying it forward and going to be donating 472 tickets uh, to the Maria, uh, the, the, the Maria Ferreri Children's Hospital in Westchester, which is... Um, 
it's it's you know one of the, the the big children's hospitals in in upstate New York and Westchester. You have a lot of people in the local area going to that. It's a great cause um, to to give money. You're towards. donating. I've. Did you say this? You're donating a game ticket to a game next year for the Yankees we're, for one of these kids four, to use. We're donating 472 tickets for the 2020 season for these kids and their families and or families to go to a game. So we're going to be picking, you know, probably three or four different dates where we split them up so that these guys can go out there and enjoy a game. And it's it's just an awesome thing for the families to get a little bit of a break from the hospital, for the kids to go out and leave the hospital for a day. Uh, and experience Yankee Stadium. It's just one of those things that you just you can't get when you're behind the hospital wall. So it's a really good thing. We're really proud to do that and happy to do it um, uh, moving forward. So good job, BP crew. Good job, community. Yay, yay us. We're doing good things. Good job. And uh, enjoy the final game against the Red Sox. Paxton's pitching. That's going to be exciting. And then what won't be exciting is playing the Tigers, but we'll talk about it on the Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.